As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. the Andy Staples show and uh not often we do a, an NFC championship preview on this show but there, there's good reason for it this week because one of our favorite guys to have covered in college is is in this game surprisingly uh along with one of our other favorite guys who we covered in college is also kind of surprisingly in this game as a quarterback but we had Brock Purdy on the show last year in the pre-draft process and, and I I got to thinking you know, let, can we go through some of the stuff he said and see if he was dropping any clues about that this might happen? Because I, like, I remember when the draft happened and he was Mr. Irrelevant. I was like, oh, that stinks for Brock. He's better than that. Like, he doesn't need to be the last pick in the draft. And then, are you and I were sitting together in Vegas watching games? Remember that that rooftop bar out yeah. there? And Garoppolo the best day of my life. How could I forget? <laughs> Garoppolo gets hurt playing the Dolphins, and we're like, oh, crap, Brock's going in. He hasn't lost since. <laughs> so it's, it's it's pretty incredible. And so I figured let's let's see what kind of clues he dropped. And then also we can kind of use that to see if we can figure out who among these quarterbacks that are coming out, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, Jaron Hall, Jake Hayner. Like, is there one of those guys that could do this, so, do this next year? So – uh, it feels brought- so funny about that, Andy, and Max is the, the king of this, but I will say that if on this show we discover how to identify that beforehand, we're going to make a lot of money as pro Oh, sports. yeah. We're yeah. done. <laughs> we're, 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 we're quitting the show, and, and the NFL teams are hiring. Like We'll just have bidding wars. We'll, we'll continuously increase the price. We'll, we'll call each other and collude and keep driving the price up as the, uh, the NFL teams try to pay us more money. I like it. So, Max, you probably covered Brock in person more than than either of us or anybody else at the athletic. I mean, I, I will start with this. Mm-hmm. What you saw at Iowa State, did you think at any point this is a a starting NFL quarterback or a starting NFL quarterback on a legit Super Bowl contender? Yeah, it's it's uh it's crazy. I mean, I, I certainly I, I'm I'm fired up for the kid. If you if you've known him, if you've been around him, like I know you have, Andy, like if you just have been able to like watch him and kind of all the incredibly likable through incredibly likable um 
dude just went, you know, as, as any of these guys that do it for four years do, like he just went through a lot at Iowa State, ups and downs wise, mostly ups over his four years in Ames and like couldn't be happier for him. Um, the, the weird thing, and I know you've written about his recruitment before and stuff, like I feel like he was probably properly rated coming out of high school, given like some of the challenges he had in high school. And honestly, guys, like, kind of think he was probably properly rated in, you know, going into the draft. Like, I mean, he got drafted right behind Skylar Thompson, who we saw, you know, similar guy got it, got a similar opportunity this year. Um, it wasn't like a little different a, results, a little different results for sure. But like, I, I think I, I was going through this just like out of curiosity about like, is, is Brock Purdy like playing so much better than he did at Iowa State? And through these eight games since Jimmy G got hurt, he mm-hmm. has been a 67% passer. And he's averaging 8.4 yards per attempt with a it's basically his college stats in college, 68% passer, 8.3 <laughs> yards per attempt. Okay. Wow. Um, the passing numbers are pretty similar. Um, his, his touchdown interception is 16 to three right now, which is amazing. Right. And in college mm-hmm. on average, it was like 20 to eight. So he's cut down on some of the mistakes, obviously. And that's great. But like the Niners are averaging like 160 rushing yards per game during this span. Like yeah. McCaffrey is amazing. Right. And so is Brees Hall. But like it's it's kind of funny how it's really in some ways on average, like it's really kind of not that different from what we knew about Brock Purdy over these last four years. The part that is interesting to me, and this is this I actually I went all a little bit Ari when I was writing a column about this this week. I you went flew off to the handle irrationally. Well, that too, but I, I went to the the twenty four seven sports team talent composite to, to to get a little info because the Niners are like NFL teams. The the whole system in the NFL is designed for the teams to be pretty close to one another, but the Niners are probably in terms of sheer talent, they are number one or two probably if we just dudes on the team, and so. I thought about it. I'm like, Brock Purdy's never been on the team that had the most talent. Like how, and how often at Iowa state was he on the more talented team? And so he started 46 games at Iowa state. And of those 27, they were the less talented team based on the, the 24 seven comparison. Now here's his record in those games, 15 and 12, which is, Really good considering you are leading the less talented team. But what does that mean his record was when he had the more talented team? Sure. 14 and 5. So like that this is this is an interesting you know opportunity for him because and, and people have said it and, and and I get it. Like you've got the Kyle Shanahan offense, which is considered a cheat code. You've got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Trent Williams is blocking for you. He may be the best offensive lineman on earth right now. Like, this is the best situation he's ever been in. Well, the thing, too, is it doesn't matter how great individually he is. If he's in a situation where he can thrive and it works, then you can win at a high level. Like, you don't have to be Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes to do your job in this league. So, you know, the thing that I think is interesting is, is, uh, where would he stack up as a as a long term sleeper for somebody who becomes an elite NFL quarterback, or how much could he be a system guy who wins a ton of games and maybe a few Super Bowls? I I think that those are two different things, but one or the other doesn't mean that you're not successful. Does that well, make the, sense? Yeah, and and the conversation about whether he's going to be their starting quarterback next year, I think people seem to be 
pretty firmly in the camp of, oh, you you know, let Jimmy walk and and forget Trey Lance. Trey Lance, or yeah, he can right. be the backup, and and Brock's your guy. That conversation may change after a trip to Lincoln Financial Field against that Eagles defense. Like, let's let's be real here. He's still got some stuff to overcome before we really say, no, he's that guy. But I guess I'll play the role of the bad guy here. I don't think you're being the bad guy. You're being realistic. I watched the Cowboys game very mm-hmm. intently because I love football. And uh, <laughs> no other reason, right? I don't know that Brock Purdy was in a position to make a single play in that game. Like where they needed him to be the difference maker at any point. Like, can the, you go the, back the play, and think the play they needed the Kittle play was Kittle. Kittle made that play and mm-hmm. the ball was, it, was overthrown by, right. It know, wasn't a, a great throw. So, exactly. It wasn't a great you know, throw. And I'm not that trying to take, he one, won the game. That was the one play they needed, but here's the thing. Unlike Dak, but also he threw for 332 the previous week against right, the Seahawks. Right. So he did yeah, some stuff exactly. in that game. Yeah. 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 But un- unlike Dak, he didn't give the ball away. And and Max, you brought up his interceptions in college. And that's where I brought it. That's why I brought up the talent point. Like there were times when Brock Purdy was in college where he had, he just had to try to do something mm-hmm. or they had no chance. Yeah. And, and I think and that's, that's where some of that came from. hundred percent. In, in a lot of ways, like the Iowa state experience has actually prepared him for this opportunity really well, because at Iowa state, the thing that Matt Campbell would say year after year is our, margin for error is razor thin right every yeah. week no matter who we play it's just the way it is there and Which so is more similar to the nfl yeah 100 percent. now obviously there's different athletes coming at you in the nfl now but i think the thing that was the challenge for brock purdy is like and i talked to him about this last season when he got things rolling in october and, and was having another like a, after a really rough iowa game and, and some rough kind of early moments there he was starting to put it back together and, and he said the thing for him that was challenging is like he kind of mentally like had to go back to basics back to when he was a freshman and kind of get out of his head a little bit because when you were like trying really hard not to mess up or or yeah. you're going the other way like you said Andy and trying to be the playmaker and trying to put it all on your shoulders like that's when you kind of it's you get too far away from what you're good at right and so yeah. um he's always been a kid that was like really had poise and, you know, knew how to, like, be patient, and they would get behind in games, and he would be able to lead them back. And he's always been a great leader. You ask anybody he played with at Iowa State. But I think for him, it's, like, kind of finding that – I think he's done a good job this year of kind of finding that right middle ground of, like, letting the game come to you, not playing scared. He hasn't taken very many sacks so far with the Niners, which I think has been impressive. They've got great protection, right. better protection than he had at Iowa but, State. But he takes them instead of throwing an interception. You saw that right. a couple of times when they got behind the chains. It was third and long, and the play just broke down and just – ate the ball and that's the thing that i think has been the most impressive to me that you say that max is that even though he's in an impossible situation and everybody assumed that the 49ers were doomed the second they needed to count on him he's just had a tremendous amount of poise whether it be off the field or on it you know and i guess the thing that is most interesting about the draft process which we're going to get into is how do you accurately predict what mm-hmm. people just have it and which people don't, you know, like, and I guess there are things that you can look back to at Iowa state and say, you know, Brock was, was excelling in these four categories. You can assume that he's going to be like that in the league, but when you watch him play, he doesn't play like a rookie. No, no, he looks, I, he looks very, and, and maybe, maybe starting 46 games in college has something to do. Here's another piece of it. So this is Brock on the show last year. So we we talked to him. I, I went up to St. Augustine, Florida, where he was training. And this is between the Shrine Bowl and the Combine. So he's, he's had some meetings with NFL teams, 
but he hasn't been in the combine yet. And this is him explaining why he's going to have an easier time of it in, in those meetings. And there's a name that comes up that is a very prominent name this weekend too. Uh, Coach Manning. Um, so he came in in 2019. He was with um, Nick Sirianni and the Colts for a year. Mm -hmm. So he really took, you know, their playbook and installed it with us for the last three years that I was there. And so we ran in the NFL offense, um, you know, we're doing a lot of shifts and motions and the play calls are long and lengthy, which was great for us, um, you know, obviously for the next level. But we did a lot. We used a lot of tight ends. We used our running back a lot. Um, and then obviously you could spread it out and throw it. So, I mean, I think we did a lot. Um, which was great for me in preparation for, you know, what's to come at the next level. But, um, you know, at the same time, he did a great job of keeping it simple and, and get the ball to our, to our best players. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So if Brock Purdy and the 49ers win this game and go to the Super Bowl, Nick Sirianni, it's your fault <laughs> for, for hiring Tom Manning as your tight ends coach in 2018. But that, so, yeah, that's basically what he's saying. He was running the offense the Eagles run now. Well, and I think that's like it's worth pointing out. Like the guy is like not pulling this off by like playing for Jeff Saturday right now, right? Like he's playing for yeah. one of the best coaches in the league, an offensive genius who like yeah. I, I and I think that's where Ari and I were having this conversation a few weeks ago about kind of the nature versus nurture part of this too. And it's like a lot of times they tell you when you fall that far in the draft, it is better to be the undrafted free agent and get to choose where you go and yeah. maybe even get a little bit better bonus out of it because it's more competitive for those undrafted guys. He, I mean, what a what a miracle to to fall to the 49ers if you are mm -hmm. gonna get picked at the end of that. Yep. You know? And for the 49ers, I imagine knowing that he was in that offense, which that offense had a lot of pre-snap motion. So does Kyle Shanahan. It's not the same offense, but managing that sort of thing is not something you can just immediately do. So having done it for three years in college that probably makes it a lot easier for him to deal with the day-to-day -day part because you know, going back to something Todd Munkin told me about Stetson Bennett this past year, you know, Munkin is a former NFL OC as well. And he said, Stetson will be great in the NFL because he doesn't need reps. He'll be a perfect backup in the NFL. Well, Brock Purdy probably didn't get any reps at all until, oh, by the way, you're playing now. So that that's, that's the craziest part. Now, I did when he mentioned that I, I asked him to throw out a play call from Iowa State from his his time at Iowa State and and listen to this he's this is where you can tell there wasn't a learning curve when he had to start rattling off Shanahan's plays because what do they they get you on the board and then they they give you the play name and then they take it away and make you repeat it right <laughs> yeah how yeah. how are you at that pretty good yeah you can tell me it you know it take me a couple seconds to you know capture it in my mind and then be able to spit it back out but. Um, I think Coach Manning did help me, and he's uh, he's got me to this point where I can you know rattle some some long. What is the plays. longest play you would have had to rattle off? Man, longest play. You want a, like an example? Yeah, or? yeah. All right, we can go. Uh, let's go. Sink right flex. You know F near, um, and then we'll go flash sixty one. Um, y vista left. X post um, with F cards. Anybody, you got all that? Everybody got all that? You get that? Uh, <laughs> Ross? And they, don't, and they don't have a headset. We got to do that on cards and, and hand yeah. signals, right, Andy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's that basically he's telling everybody in the offense what to do pre snap and post snap, which is, is crazy. <laughs> so 
but that that's what you have to do in the NFL. You get it through the headset, makes it much easier to to talk, and and they're not running the same tempo for the most part as college teams. So they'll huddle, they'll they'll you can say all that. You can actually call two of those in the huddle and say run this one, not this one. But he was he was pretty ready for that piece of it, and so it, I it, it is fascinating to me because. You just don't know when quarterbacks move from one level to the next, whether it's high school to college or college to the NFL. I I forget who it was. I think it was Chuck, either Chuck Klosterman or Malcolm Gladwell, which is weird that it would be one of those. Two. I just can't remember which one compared it to teachers. Like you can learn everything you can about education, but until you stand in front of a classroom, you have no idea whether you're a good teacher or not. Same thing with a quarterback. Like until you move from high school to college and play in a college game, you don't know. Until you play in an NFL game, you don't know. Well, and I just think like it's like I, the the thing already. I talked a couple weeks ago. I, the thing that I always think about is like if Patrick Mahomes like goes to any other situation than playing for Andy Reid in Kansas City, like what what does his career look like? You know what I mean? Uh, if if you if he's just the guy on the Browns or on the Texans or something like that, yeah. it's probably pretty different. Josh Allen, a bunch of these guys. Like I feel like. Um, just a, a big piece of it is like there's just so many nuances to like the opportunity you have and what's around you and how well you're coached and whether those coaches stay and yeah. stuff like that. And like, I just feel like that's part of it that like I, I don't think we can sit here and say like Brock Purdy could start for all 32 teams or even mm-hmm. 16 of them, right? I mean, it's like right. it, it's just a very like very fortunate right. there, breaks here, but he's gone out and done something with it, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing so- that we're trying to figure out right now is are we witnessing the beginning of of an era? Or right. is he just doing a really good job filling in and, you know, maybe could take them to the Super Bowl as a fill-in? Because it's like, if they win the Super Bowl, you know, I don't cover the team, but it would be a very hard discussion to have going into next year about who is, who's going to be starting. You know, I covered uh, up close and personal a kind of a similar situation as that in the college level, you know, with the Cardale Jones and JT Barrett scenario. But it's like, are we about, are we witnessing greatness like being born right now? Like, is that what we're saying? Everybody wants another Brady story. And and there's a reason there hasn't really been another Brady story in the 20 or so years. I mean, Tony Romo, when was Tony Romo drafted? Because he obviously came from a smaller school and he played for a long time, but he was, he didn't have the success that that Tom Brady did. So he was undrafted in 03. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that's like interesting to me, though, is that if you look at how random the schools are for the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, you got Texas Tech and Wyoming. We've played this game on the show a lot. Oh, yeah. Cal. Uh, mm-hmm. Iowa State's just another one of those random schools, potentially. You know, yeah. it's not like he came out of Sandusky State University or something. I mean, he played in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so I just think that would be par for the course on, like, what it is. Interesting uh, that you mentioned Cal because the guy who coached Aaron Rodgers at Cal coached one of the guys we're going to talk about as a potential next Brock Purdy. So yeah. that, that's good. But I do want to point out from Malcolm McDonald in the chat, this is really interesting and and actually very intriguing now that I see it. It says, GMs and media up here in Canada thought Purdy was fit the profile to fall through the cracks down south and end up as a long-term Canadian football league quarterback. Happy for him, also a little sad about it. It's true. Like, can you imagine him with that wider field with the the player because remember you could have a player running forward toward the line of scrimmage and motion at the snap and like you could do some crazy stuff in Canada that would really fit the the wilder part of the Brock Purdy Iowa State experience for sure yeah Who's you know that? 
I was going to say there, there's a part of this. Um, I was going back just like you, Andy, I was, I was kind of going back through some old interviews and kind of trying to f- dig up some old nuggets from talking to people about Brock. And one thing that one of the coaches mentioned to me that I thought was interesting and, and something that you just, I think you kind of can't really account for in the draft process. Either like you fall for a guy or you don't, but like the way they put it to me, was that Brock is a feel player. Like his, like feeling it, repping it, working really hard at it, works his ass off, but it's not like, the, the big strength he he can call the you know he can he can handle that call and stuff like that but the big strength at mm-hmm. Iowa State wasn't really like we're gonna put it all on you to run the offense and slide the protections and all that kind of stuff it was more about like just kind of being a gamer you know and just mm-hmm. kind of being with that dude, a yeah, really good right. leader when somebody misses a block and that dude shows up in your face what do you do right and I think <laughs> that field piece yeah 100 percent I think that like we're seeing that here a little bit and that's that's probably pretty hard to pinpoint when like you said it is just such a different uh, threat you're facing on every down now at, at the next level. All right, guys, let's talk about the the guys going into the draft this year and who might be that next kind of late round gym quarterback and, and understanding it may be none of them. Like it, there may not be one of these for 10 more years where somebody gets drafted in the seventh round and winds up leading a team deep into the playoffs as a starter, as a rookie. Like it just, it's, it's very unusual, but I do think there's an interesting crop of guys that, you know, when I look at the clues we were looking at with Purdy, I do wonder, you know, where, where they fit. So, Max, I'll, I'll start with a guy you wrote about a lot this year and covered a lot this year, Max Duggan from TCU. Uh, we're, we're leaving out the C.J. Strouds, the, the Bryce Youngs, even the Anthony Richardson. Yeah, let's and, leave Anthony Richardson yeah, out because he's a first-rounder. Ta- yeah. ta- oh, God, <laughs> let's not get into that. But, um, he <laughs> is, dude. <laughs> I, he's I, going I, to be. I, I, there's a very good chance. It's it's crazy. but like I, I look McKee forward to the Stanford. podcast you guys do where you're like, when did we know that Will Levis was going to win a Super Bowl? And you can go back and replay <laughs> oh. <laughs> the Mayo videos yeah, and all that. We're going to find some clues there, too. Do you, or about do what, you think when did we know Anthony Richardson was going to win? I should get, like, at least my Anthony Richardson Heisman bowl money or bet money back. If he gets the a first rounder. Yeah. Did you it's do like that a, after the first game or what was that for the first game? I kind oh, of, an game. oh man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing, well, the thing too, is this like, I was obsessed with him before and then I watched the first game and then the odds were still like 70 to one or something. So I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll take this for a ride. Uh, and it, it didn't go well, uh, but he's a first round pick. So I think we were onto something. Yeah. I, so in the gym, one of the TVs in the gym, they, they just leave on this YouTube channel that plays ACC games over and over again, uh, so or games that originate in ACC stadiums, so on the ACC TV package. And today's was Florida, Florida State from this year. So I watched during the course of my workout, Anthony Richardson going from lights out to not being able to hit the broadside of a barn for like two and a half quarters. It was It was the whole experience in one game. So, but no, we're talking about guys who had more production in college, but don't have the measurables. So, or, or don't, or have a weird experience. Max Duggan, not, he's not super undersized. He's, he's fine, but his experience in college is very odd. And I, I had forgotten Max about how hurt he was in 2021. Yeah. I, Max Duggan, I like, you could probably pick up a lot of parallels there really to, to Brock Purdy. I mean, just as a guy that um, it's really hard being the guy for four years at the college level, you know, and especially with, I mean, Brock Purdy really had a pretty stable situation. I mean, Tom Manning, like you said, came in in 19, 
that nobody left that staff, right? Like those players yeah. stayed and they built something. That senior class stayed the whole. I mean, Max Duggan, you you see the big breakthrough year this year in year four, but like that dude weathered everything at TCU in terms of people leaving and new people coming in and all that and all offense changing and all that. I like I think there's I think somebody's like going to draft Max Duggan. I would I would think. Do you guys don't think he'll go undrafted, do you? Oh, I think he'll be drafted. He'll get drafted. Yeah. yeah. He'll get drafted. I think he'll be drafted higher than Purdy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, think, I think it's impossible not to be. It's, that's well, correct. It yeah. Statistically, <laughs> it's difficult. Unless you are literally Mr. Irrelevant again. Yeah. Uh, what, I will, Jay Titans 04 in the chat asked about Hendon Hooker. Uh, we're not talking Hendon Hooker in this one because Hendon Hooker is prototypical size. I think he's still day two, right? Prototypical arm. Yes, people are, they're, they're going to love him in the interviews. He's athletic. He can move. Like, Is he a second rounder? Is that what people think of Hendon Hooker? Third, yeah, like second or third. Third still, yeah. Coming off an ACL tear, so that, that – yeah hurts him a little bit but, but i think no. people so I, will fall in love in max duggan and, and i think if he like goes to the right spot yeah i could see him um i could see him competing it's hard to just like sort of say this guy's fast tracking to to starting as a rookie but i could see him having a, a similar start to his career yeah i think that i think the learning curve coming from an air raid offense which he played in an air raid in both coaching staffs he played for that that'll it, like we just said with brock he hasn't had to do any of that so it's a little bit different, different experience. And, and so it may take him a little bit longer to, to adjust to the game, but listen, smart people can do that. And that brings me to the other guy from the national championship game who has been playing for a former NFL OC for the past three years, who is very undersized Stetson Bennett. You know, we're, we're talking about five, 190. Like he's smaller than Bryce young. And now he's, if we're talking about compared to Brock Purdy, he's faster than Brock Purdy, probably about the same arm, but he's smaller by about 20 pounds. Like Brock Purdy has thick thighs. So is Stetson Bennett going to get drafted? I think he is, but I think it, it could be very similar position to, to Brock Purdy. And that's what I'm interested in is, is, Based on what we've seen, remember, this is the opposite of, of what we're talking about with Brock, where 27 starts for Brock were against the more talented team. Stetson Bennett had two starts in his career against a team that was considered more talented by the 24-7 team talent composite. And that was the SEC championship game against Alabama in 2021, and then the corresponding national title game two games later. So here's what I think is interesting about Stetson Bennett. You know, and I've complained a ton, or not complained, but just like brought up how uh, dumb sometimes I think the NFL draft process is because I think we just don't watch the tape and we get in love with measurables. Mm-hmm. Um, and I he's think that's a, kind of the reason. He's got an arm. The reason, <laughs> but, the, but the reason why we always roll our eyes about Anthony Richardson is because we know the measurables. We know he's going to test, but we watched the games. Yes. With Stetson Bennett, he's undersized, and I know he has got a live arm, but he's probably not going to test off the charts, and he just doesn't look like the prototypical – draft pick that you would have at that position but if you turn on the games the dude makes play so it's almost like the reverse aspect of it it's like is anybody going to turn on the film and fall in love with the film or is it just going to be go to the nfl combine be the smallest and weakest guy there and and just fall through the cracks and like can, do, like do we think this guy can play in the nfl well and right and how many people are going to say and i'm talking about like nfl personnel people and coaches are going to say well yeah but you played with these aliens how much of this was you? And that's what part, I, Max, I, I was thinking about this. 
I think if you put Stetson Bennett on Iowa State, he would have played a lot like Brock Purdy, right down to the no, 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 yes, like the <laughs> the gun because he had to kind of tamp down the gunslinger mentality at Georgia because you just don't need to risk anything. Yeah, I think I think you're you're definitely right about that. You know, this is as you guys are talking about this, it reminded me. Um, you know, Bailey Zappi had a little moment as a rookie too, mm-hmm. and that was another yeah. one where you just sort of like, how does that one translate? Obviously, the Pats liked him and, and gave him some some opportunities this year. And I remember talking with um, Zach Kitley during the draft process. I'm just like, hey, how's it going? What's the feedback you're hearing? And he was saying that like at the combine and in, in visits and stuff like that, the thing that Bailey Zappi was doing is he was blowing all these other guys away on the board when he when you let him get on the board with these coaches and in in the combine. Also, an air he's better than the five the other guys that came in the room before it. You know, putting, and that's I think where Stetson and the, other guys yeah. need to kind of find their right. niche here over this process. Yeah, putting the lie to what I said earlier about the learning curve for an air raid quarterback. If you're smart enough, it it's not it's not an issue. But guys, I think that there are, there are other quarterback prospects that are going to be drafted this year that uh weren't in the national championship game that are like what about like tanner mckee the dude's like six six two tanner mckee's right? going to be drafted higher than these guys we're talking about oh he, he is, is he okay. is their, he is their dream what about like, aiden o'connell aiden o'connell is an interesting one and yeah I, his numbers were actually probably better as a junior i i looked at him for the the column i did this week and actually didn't end up including him because his numbers had gone down year over year despite it would seem having the opposite effect. Yeah. Better receivers in in yeah. the in, in this past year, but uh, so I one one guy who's been brought up, Jay Titans 04 brought this guy up, Clayton Toon from Houston. He, he's one I think is yeah. one we need to talk about because this is a guy. He's six three two twenty, so much more close to pro. Well, I mean, he's he's big enough. He's he's the size they want. And him and I started college in the same year. <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean, it does feel like clayton toon is 42 years old and has been houston like that that he replaced david klingler as houston yeah, starting we, quarterback we, we had him on the um on our on our uh, my pod uh, max and uh sam pod on thursdays uh after a big win early in the season he this is a fun fact on clayton toon he back in the day during his high school recruiting process he went to a kansas junior day and committed and that was the same Kansas Junior Day that Jamar Chase committed to Kansas. Wow! wow. What a class that would have been. <laughs> so they've there's been a little bit of a gap there in terms of how quickly Jamar's got to the league versus Clayton. But I, I you know, Dana from from the time that Derek King left Houston, like Dana has been, you know, very confident. Like this is an NFL quarterback that is like a, a, a sneaky, really good athlete and really sharp dude. Like he, he definitely has a chance to be, I don't know where like the draft hype is on him. I, I believe he's going to the senior bowl. So he's going to have a chance yeah, to go. He's going to have a chance. And, and he's, he's kind of looked at as a mid round type guy. So he, he could actually move up maybe into an earlier round. Now I, here's some stats on Clayton tune that I think are fascinating. So here's, here's 2021, 2021. He completes 68.3% of his passes. Very good. 8.4 yards per attempt, just fine. Uh, 30 TDs, t- 10 interceptions. And he did this, he does this on 420 attempts. In 2022, he plays one fewer game, throws 76 more passes, but averages 67.3 year, uh, completion percentage, which is about the same. Um, 8.2 yards per attempt, about the same. 40 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, which meant he threw a bunch more passes so he threw more touchdown passes and and actually inc- got his td interception interception ratio up so that's good had a better year now remember houston 
was 12 and 2 in 2021, 8 and 5 this past year. Here is the key stat for Clayton Toon that has nothing to do with Clayton Toon, but has everything to do with Clayton Toon. In 2021, Houston allowed 20.4 points a game. In 2022, Houston allowed 32.2 points a game. But the, all the stop matters. Rate was pretty, the stop rate was pretty different this year. I can confirm that. Yeah. Yeah. It all matters. So, yeah, it, it that's that's an interesting one because he's tough. Like, I go back to that, what was it, U, the UTSA game when he supermaned over the, the goal line? That yeah. was pretty incredible. So, I, he's one I love. The Jaron Hall at BYU is another one I'm, I'm intrigued by because, you know, he, he goes into the season thinking he's got all these weapons. Uh, Pukunakua played the, the whole year, and I think Pukunakua might be one of the guys you see blow up at the Senior Bowl this year. But Gunnar Romney only played two games. You know, Cody Epps was their leading receiver midway through the season. He gets hurt and he's out. And then, you know, I, I it, but it didn't matter because Jaron Hall put up essentially the same numbers as last year without the weapons. And I think that's pretty impressive. For sure. Max, can I lob one at you? Let's do it. Adrian Martinez. Is he drafted? <laughs> <laughs> At what position? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just I was looking at a draft board and he was like number twenty on there, so I thought I'd throw it out at him. Uh, but like, there are some interesting names at the bottom of the list, like Malik Cunningham, Dorian Thompson Robinson, like yeah. dudes that were super. Cunningham just got invited to the Senior Bowl, so he's uh, going to have a chance here. Super athletic guys that you know might not have the arm uh, talent that you would get from a prototypical quarterback, but as we know, the NFL is evolving little by little. I don't know. Dude. Dude with a story, if you want to do to the story, uh, there's a guy at the senior building, Tyson Bajant from Shepherd College in West Virginia. Tyson Bajant's father is a professional arm wrestler. Like, he is the real-life version of the guy's Sylvester Stallone arm wrestles in Over the Top. And this is the part where we sing Meet, we, meet Me Halfway Across what, the Sky. What goes into being a professional arm wrestler? being better at arm wrestling than other people. No, I know, but like, do you like do specific weight? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's training? a whole circuit of talent scouts that got to find you, Ari. You know, it's pretty good. Is there like a gym? Like, do you, can you like push something? I, I don't, gym? I mean, if all I know about professional arm wrestling, I learned from over the top. And, and basically he had like a, a pull down in his, in his big rig that he would do as he was driving. And that's well, how, how does that, yeah. How do you, do you go to a regional event first? Like how do you, how do you move up in that? It's like oh, a dog so. circuit. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and apparently like, Tyson's dad has, has to be the promoter as well. Like he has to promote the events and, and stock them and, and then kick everybody's ass once he gets there. So I would go to an arm wrestling event. If you could live bet it for sure. That guy would, bre- you probably could, except it's cash. It's, it's, that's- that's it's probably fine. like people like waving Instagram cash around. It's got to be like easier than ever to become like a famous arm wrestler too. You know, like, like I would want to watch those videos nonstop. That guy would break my arm so fast. I'm not saying I want to participate in it. I, I don't know. think I could be great at arm wrestling. It I would like, like to watch a, it. It looks like it could be a gruesome sport. If yes, you get your arm broken. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not, it's no professional slap fighting, but those slap contests are great. Like yeah. my, my son and I went down the rabbit hole of, of those on YouTube the other night and it was uh it was spectacular. What is it? Oh, you've never seen it? Mm-mm. Basically, oh, slap fighting when people Yeah, slap it looks like it looks like an arm wrestling table where you just have to kind of stand there and somebody just slaps you as hard as they can. And how do you win if you're the last one standing? You knock the other person out essentially. And and I it's saw like back and forth. 
Uh, it is back and forth unless one person like there's one the, the famous clip and it, I think it's somewhere in Eastern Europe. There's this dude. He's like he's Estonian or something. He looks like a bear. And then they bring out this dude. It might have been in a prison that they filmed this, but they bring out this dude. He's he's got he's tatted all over. He's got like eyelid tattoos. He's trying to look all scary. And the guy who looks like a bear knocks him unconscious with a slap. It would be a, you'd be a pretty big sucker in the slap fighting world. If you just went up there and you got knocked out on the first hit, it's like you didn't even get a shot to hit the guy. You just you just stood well, there and got slapped, went, and that's we it. Down the rabbit hole, we found like this low budget American version of it that they were doing during the pandemic, and they had a I'm using air quotes here doctor on site, and this guy, the first hit, the 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 guy is you remember you know the guy in in Happy Gilmore who wears the guns don't kill people I yeah. kill people shirt Mr. Larson and that, of course yeah. And, 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 and that's going to count gonna, on you. <laughs> and that's going to come uh, in right. handy later in this podcast. So imagine, imagine a person excuse me, I that. built like, and just somebody built like that, thirty years younger, and seventy pounds heavier, hmm. with hands like that, going yeah. against a person of similar weight, but distributed very. The weight is distributed very differently. Like the dude with the bare paw hands just clobbers the guy, and the quote unquote doctor walks up, and he's like. He's fine. Because he I assume that hand size would be very crucial to your yep. ascension. That's, I've got the smallest male hands on the face of the earth. Now, Andy, you're a you're CrossFit guy. You're up on all the new stuff. Hands. Is there ways to do cheek strengthening for this sport? I've seen on infomercials Great. that they got I, that. Like, I guarantee there's something. I'll have that, to. That jaw refining be... one where you chew. Oh yeah, mm. no. I'll have to. I'll have to ask the guys at the gym and see what they're what they're doing lately. Yeah, just let them slap you. You got to build up face endurance in addition to the the strength of your hand. You know. Oh, hundred percent. And what 100%. makes the best slap? Are you, you you have to be? Well, they, there are rules about that. How your hand has mm. to be positioned. Uh, you it can't stay on the other person's face for for too long, or that's a penalty. I don't even know what the penalties. But like you'd be, want but... it to be loose because you'd want the hand to slap as. Yeah, and you don't well, want to make the cup because the cup would take away from the. I wonder impact. if Ty now I, I'll, I'll see if I meet Tyson. I'm going to the Senior Bowl next week, so if I meet Tyson Bajan's dad, I'm going to ask him: Is he concerned about the rise of slap fighting? Is he concerned that's going to cut into the arm Dude, wrestling? Dude, if you don't have somebody economics? filming you arm wrestling that man, then you failed this podcast and the listeners. <laughs> I'm just letting you know right now. Yeah, let's you, let's build them up, all right, Andy. Yeah. You can yeah, do have, this. You we can believe do in you. Have a nice open a fracture on my arm. <laughs> yeah, we believe that, in you. That'll go viral. You made me eat you a got chip this. that had a disclaimer that said may cause bloody nose, so I don't feel bad. Well, and then you then you put your <laughs> finger in your eye. So that, that wasn't me. All right, we got a we got a couple more of these QBs to talk about. We we mentioned Dorian Thompson Robinson. That was one art you you brought up, Ari. I, I am curious to see what happens with him you know he's very tough we've never seen him outside chip kelly's offense so the, the question is, is was he maxed out there or would he thrive in another offense i do remember that you know basically this time last year they were going to move on from him they were going to they were getting dylan gabriel and then caleb williams leaves oklahoma and dylan gabriel's like ah, never mind i'm going to oklahoma so he wasn't even ucla's first choice going into last offseason so that that'll be interesting. The one that I think is the is the guy, the potential guy who could be this person, you know, kind of Brock Purdy type. Now he, I think he'll get drafted higher than Brock, maybe by a few rounds. But it's Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Like 
I put this in my column. I'm like, watch the last five minutes of the 2021 UCLA Fresno State game, and and I defy Nobody you. Nobody has to watch that because everybody already did. Yeah. that was incredible. Well, everybody, yeah. everybody who listens to this podcast has, and and, yeah. and you fell in love with Jay Kaner. That if you didn't already love Jay Kaner, you fell in love with him that night. And I mean, he took a shot that would have put most QBs out for like a month in that in that drive before the last one. And he Man. comes back and he's throwing darts. Like, it was incredible. And so this year, yeah, I, I do wonder, what would the conversation about Jake Hayner be like had he followed Kalen DeBoer to Washington? Because mm. he would have lit it up at Washington. Michael Penix was the leader, the national the leader passing. in, in yeah. passing yards per game. Like, Jake Hayner might have been that. Would, would we be talking about him differently? And and he, so he plays for Tedford at Fresno State, who was the, the, the previous Fresno State coach, who was Aaron Rodgers' coach at Cal, who has shown that he can get QBs ready to play in the NFL. Hayner, though, broke his ankle against USC in game three. And it was like, well, that's it. And he goes and gets a second opinion. And the guy's like, yeah, you can play. You'll be right. So he comes back in October and and just goes undefeated. And he completes like he, 73% of his passes. He breaks his ankle and then he comes back and plays seven more games. Like, that's nuts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I wins mean, toughness isn't an issue for this guy. No. Yeah. Wins them all. That's it, it is it is tremendous. So where, where do you where in, in going through that exercise, Andy, like where where did you put like tough MF or in like the it factor thing that you're looking for here for these guys? I think that's one of the most important things. Because if you are because these are all guys who are not necessarily, with the exception of maybe Clayton Toon, not necessarily physical specimens. No, you know, they're not Josh Allen. They're not Jalen Hurts. They're not, you know, massive dudes who Brock Purdy is not a freak. Like we can all we can all say that. That's that's okay to say. Most of these guys are smaller than him. Right. Most of these guys are smaller than him. And so, yes, can you handle the pounding? Can you get up and play again? And that's that DTR actually fits that bill. He's very tough. But Jake Hayner, the toughest (laughs) of all these guys. Max Duggan, very tough. Like that that's what excites me. And I just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with any of these guys. Like you guys said earlier in the show, situation matters. Who you get picked by. Like, Skylar Thompson's a great example. He had to start a playoff game for the Dolphins. It's not necessarily what they wanted. It's the same offense Brock Purdy's playing in. He's got incredible weapons. He's got Tyree Kill. He's got Jalen Waddell. He's got Mike Kosicki. But the results have not been the same. Also the third string guy there. What wasn't even the backup mm-hmm. plan, you know? Yep. But yeah. uh, gives you know, who knows what that situation's gonna be like next year, too. I really, really, really enjoyed the draft. Cause it I really know. is like a, a fun way to kind of contextualize the opinions that we formed over the previous few years on these guys and, and what people who are paid to break them down from a football standpoint think. And you know, I just think that some of the most fun that we have in football, at least if you're an NFL fan um, is seeing where guys go and the fits that they have and what they'll end up looking like. And now I'll tell you guys, I cannot wait to watch the game on Sunday. So I I'm very excited. And I mean, we haven't really talked about Jalen hurts, but his Which transformation is yeah. incredible. Like when you watch Jalen hurts playing, even in Oklahoma, when he was looked like a little more polished passer, you couldn't have predicted this. He looks no, amazing. I, I, you know, weirdly as successful as he was in that one year at Oklahoma, I watched him a lot and I was 
pretty skeptical about Jalen Hurts up until probably last year, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like Lincoln Riley did an amazing job of I, – I remember talking to Shane Beamer after that season. And he was like, you know, offensively, we kind of turned into like Tebow, Florida that year a little yeah. bit. Like they just kind of changed into what they had to be for Jalen Hurts. But they, I feel like Lincoln Riley did a good job of kind of trying to mask some of the weaknesses and, and highlight the strengths. And I think obviously the Eagles – whether it's Peterson or Sirianni now, like have done a great job of that too. But like, I don't man, think he massive. took a weaknesses though. But I he think took he took a big old jump gone. too to yeah. just close that gap, and it's been it's, yeah. it's been phenomenal. To I see. think you could legitimately say that he is a top five quarterback in the NFL with a straight face. Yeah, yeah. it's it's wild, and that's what you know. Jalen hurts the guy. There was never a doubt about. No, like everybody who played with him loved him. Everybody who coached him loved him. I will never forget him sitting in his locker after that national championship game where he yeah, got benched for Tua, as classy a human being as – I don't know how anybody could have handled that situation better than he handled it. And then then when he gets put back in the SEC championship game in 2018 and saves Alabama's bacon in that game, like, it was poetic. But you didn't necessarily think he was going to develop the skill set that would make him this effective an NFL quarterback, but he looks incredible. So he's also on the first team NFL all handsome list. So he's got exactly. that going for him. That's exactly right. Now, this, <laughs> touched on this on the show, Max, but we had a much more in-depth conversation off air during our taco tour with, with Mike Gullick Jr. And Mina Kimes and Dan Rubenstein and Ty Hildebrandt uh, about Ari's theory that you must be handsome to be a good quarterback. Hmm. Jalen Hurts is probably the most handsome of the quarterbacks remaining. Well, it's a, well, still alive. Oh, still alive in the hunt. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Tom Brady is no. doing some weird stuff to his face right now, but he was Jimmy. Well, I mean, Jimmy G would be the probably the, the leader in the my mother in law uh, is a huge 49er fan, and she gets uncom- uncomfortably graphic about how handsome she thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy is. It's a supermodel. I mean, he's not even a, a handsome quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's like that. Remember that Notre Dame running back who who they, the camera just happened to catch him. His helmet was knocked off and it, it caught him holding the ball. And it, it looked like a catalog shot. You know what it reminds me of? And I can't remember the kid's name, but Tate Martell had a high school teammate who was a running back and he was Muhammad Ali's mm-hmm. grandson. Do you remember this yeah. kid? Oh, wow. I remember this kid. And yeah. he was a male model. And then he committed to Cal, I think. And I was like, I'm going to watch out for that guy because if you're a male model, then you're probably pretty good at football too because handsomeness is a factor. It's certainly a factor in hiring coaches. I love it. It's certainly I, a factor in hiring coaches. It is now. Oh, you know what? Biagio Ali yeah. Walsh, he yes. went into he's MMA. In MMA now. Yes. Is he? Yeah. Yes. Well, good for I mean, he's got it in his blood. I mean, maybe I just like I wouldn't want anybody touching my perfect face if I had that face. He's got that blue steel like – well, you know, and I think what's important too, Ari, you can <laughs> you can speak to this. It's important. Think about freshman year Joe Burrow versus today. It's like it's also I think you're seeing a guy like him maximize his looks over the course yeah. of once he gets money too. The first you know? time I saw Joe Burrow, he was wearing a shirt with wolves howling at the moon. Right, uh, and now the guy like walks in with like leopard suits and iced out necklaces Joe, and Joe stuff. Joe Burrow is just cool. Like, yeah, he's very yeah, cool, and he's always been this way. That's cool. the thing. Like that's the way that he always has been. He had like people like you know how people get all caught up in like what people wear as they walk into the games or comments they make or smoking the cigar with his legs crossed after the national championship game and stuff. It's like Joe Burrow was like that when he was 16 years old. And he didn't care what anybody had to say about anything that he had to say. And it was or 
any opinion that he had. Uh, yeah. And it's really cool to see it all play out this way. So, wow. yeah, there there are no – I don't know if we want to say anybody's name, but I can't think of any ugly quarterbacks. Everybody remaining is pretty good looking. Uh, yeah. As Vaughn, as our guy Vaughn says, hopefully from the tractor, you calling Mike McCarthy good looking? You're talking coaches. No, there's a reason everybody wants Mike McCarthy fired. Let's get fired, pal. Uh, Dan <laughs> Quinn is a much better looking guy, and they're like, well, if we're gonna let Dan Quinn walk and become a head coach somewhere else, why not just fire McCarthy? And hey, you Dan know, you know who else is strikingly handsome? Who's that? Speaking of the Chiefs, Alex Smith. You're right. You're right. I could go on handsome quarterback lists uh, all day. Well, I mean, 2004 Utah is a great example of of Alex well, Smith's dominance. Oh, BSE in the chat. D'Amico Ryans is the next handsome head coach. D'Amico Ryans mm. is a very handsome man. And he was a bad, bad man in Alabama. That 2005 so, Alabama team, he was the best player. He was unbelievable. Don't so, get my wife started on Matt LaFleur. Every time the guy's on the TV, I got to <laughs> hear about it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Guys, we've got to move on to our random ranking. This is our it's first back, baby. First random ranking of the year. And Ari brought this up earlier this week when he was lamenting the lack of of good, the, you know, in the theater movies, good mid-budget dramas and comedies that that people just don't make anymore. And you brought up Primal Fear, which is a, a courtroom drama. Richard Gere, who else is in that movie? Ed Norton. Um, Ed, Ed Norton's in it. That's yep. right. And very good movie. Came out in 1996. If you look at it, though, I, I called up the list of the movies released in 1996, and I'm like, oh, my God, that movie's great, and it's not. it might not even be in the top ten. Back, back in the times when no matter when you wanted to go um, 
to the movies there was something to see. Yes. And that does and not exist anymore. If, you, if yeah. you look at the list of movies that came out in, in 1996, it is, you know, probably once every two weeks or once, maybe once average about a week, once a week and a half, a movie came out and you're like, that is definitely worth my eight bucks or whatever it was to, to go to. Uh, now that was, so that 1996 was your graduate high school started college. So I, I'm wondering if I'm a little too sentimental about this because of the, the period of time, but also like a student ticket at Regal Cinemas in Gainesville, Florida in 1996 was $3.50. I saw a lot of movies. Yeah, I, I used yeah. to go when I was in Ohio, uh, I used to go once a week by myself because I liked going to like the, the midweek matinee like at three o'clock because uh, there was nobody else in the theater and you could just kind of enjoy the movie. Yeah, and I love it. You theater. want to go. Yeah. Yes. Um, and like now, periodically, now I, I can't do that much anymore, but um, I look at movie listings because I have this nostalgic feeling of I want to go see the movies. And then I look at the list and it's a children's movie, uh, Spider-Man 63, and then you have Avatar and there, there's no dramas. There's no, that the, so it's like, there's no movies for me. Like, and I understand that people love comic book movies and they want to watch them over and over again. And, you know, I guess like, uh, Top Gun, the the sequel or the the next one was the is going to win Best Picture this year. No, like are, are people think that it's one it of the nominated, best. but no, it's not. Gonna I can't but, but people think that it's one of the greatest movies that they've seen in the last three years. It's like you know, like a re a remake of a movie that came out thirty years ago is like the best we can come up with. There's Bro, no you see that movie though. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I don't movie. need it. Yeah, I'm sure it was good. Like I, I'm sure, like especially if you saw it for the first time when you were 11 years old. It brought back emotions. I mean, I, I don't. Well, I'm not saying for, that it wouldn't you know be what worth it was watching. Me, it was my kids loving it the way I did when I saw Top Gun when I was seven, and that's yeah. that's what did. But where's it the writing? Where's the creativity? Oh, I, I, where's I, I the newness? And, and we're we're gonna get into that because I will tell you, I'm looking at my top five, five maybe five different genres in mm -hmm. my top five, and also I'm looking down the list again and and feeling like I need to change everything because. I'm like, how did I leave this off? Really great year for comedies. So like, that's the thing yeah. too. It's like, for me, the movies that I miss the most are, are just like courtroom type dramas or murder dramas like Primal Fear, yeah. um, you know, or like even something like American History X. Now that we're thinking of like Ed Norton, like just great dramas. They just don't make those anymore. Yeah. But um, it's kind of hard to, I can't leave some of the comedies. Like if you really want to blow your mind uh, in 1994, Shawshank Redemption and Forrest Gump, I think, came out in consecutive months in that in <laughs> that year. Wow. And then like Dumb and Dumber was the third month. Yeah, so it was like two or three of the most iconic movies in different genres ever made. And it's just like if Forrest Gump or Shawshank, I don't think that we have the capacity as a society to make Shawshank Redemption right now. Like, I don't think we could do it even if we wanted to, where it wouldn't get made. There's no explosions. Yeah, nobody, nobody would green light it. Why? Yeah. Because it's not a, it's not a, it's yeah. not known IP. That's why there's no explosions or there's no Wonder Woman in it, so we can't make it anymore. I, I think if you yeah. had a super <laughs> best-selling novel, you might be able to like, like Gone Girl wouldn't get made right now. It would. I think it, it would. Where it the would. Crawdads thing got made, that was a huge. Gone Girl was excellent. That, that, that movie came was. out like in 2015, didn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. It's been almost, it's, you know, seven. We're going on a decade now. All right, guys. Okay. Uh, no, wait. When you guys over. did your five, is this like? What was like your thought process on it? Because for me, oftentimes, oh, yes, I'm, like, glad. 
it, oftentimes I'm sort of drawn to like which ones do I end up rewatching the most? Like what have yeah. like especially when we're going this far back. So I'm curious how you what guys. What are look your at favorite? It. These are your five favorite movies from this year. You're not the the, the Academy of Motion right. Picture Arts and Sciences. We're not we're not judging technical artistry or acting. If those things matter a lot to you, then then great. But it's really what are your five? Like for example, if we were doing 1995, though it would make nobody else's best five movies of 1995 list. Mall rats would be in the top three for me because I have seen that movie 200 times and I have memorized it. So, uh, yeah. Also guys, somebody just mentioned in the comment Pulp Fiction came out in 94 too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so, but yeah, I, I just did it based on, I also don't know, uh, Max, if the rewatchable of a movie or the rewatchability of a movie means it's the best. Like I could watch happy Gilmore a million times. I don't think I could watch primal fear a million times, but I don't know if happy Gilmore is a better well, movie than primal one, fear. one of the, one of these movies I've seen at least a hundred times. Yeah, yeah, me too. And then, and then some of these other ones I've only seen once or twice, but I, I loved them when I saw them. Okay. Yeah. So how do we want to do this? Five up or one? Oh, down? Yeah, five, five up. All so. right. Max, you go I, first. I, I, you're think the we will, I think we will have very different lists. And because a lot will. of times I don't like, I, I like doing a draft rather than, than a top five because the lists are different, but I do think we will, we will be different here. So Max number five for you. All right. For, I, and let's hit honorable mentions at the end. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's a well, lot. I, I need to, I know you guys know this, but I just want to be clear here. Okay. I was six years old when these came out. Okay. Yes, we know. So uh, for me, like it was very tempting to put Jingle All the Way or Space Jam on here because those (laughs) are the ones that I watched a lot. And then you realize Space Jam is actually a terrible movie. Well, first one's not bad, and then Matilda was another one. When also, I was young. like That's Jingle All the Way, Matilda's a, the, the Matilda with Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman is yes. incredible. Yes, so, Jingle All the Way movie. could have been on this list too because it is the best Christmas movie of all time. I rewatch it every year, so it yeah. almost made my five. Okay, it, so it that's yeah. Uh, Child Max just wanted to chime in there real quick. Okay, number five, I have Swingers. Do you all guys right. not have Swingers? Um, I might have it. Somewhere. I have. Okay. I have Swingers at five. You have Swingers of Five. Yes. Okay. Swing, right. Swingers is a great movie that would never get made now. Like, can you imagine? No. It, I had a feeling it would be on, on your list somewhere now. Yeah. But so the Mikey answering machine scene mm-hmm. is <laughs> one of the five most uncomfortable scenes in movie history. But there's no gore. There's no cuss words. There's no, no, but I every time I just want to yell. You almost like bring in uh, the gore. <laughs> but it's so uh, relatable is it know? not in I yours andy that, i thought so for relatable. sure that oh, you would be on yours oh, too oh it's in mine okay yeah okay, okay. um yeah because it'll be very interesting too max because like i'm a few years older than you yeah. but like i wonder if our generation not that andy isn't in our generation but like no but i was movies... i was 18 i was dating at this time i would a lot yeah. of that stuff hit closer to home now they, okay. these guys and, were and how old these were, you guys were point, adults right? out of college uh 96 i was nine okay all right yeah so, the, but a lot of this stuff hit closer to home for me because I was, I was, I had a driver's license and, and yeah, right. To go out and hook up with girls. And, and that was, that was what they were doing. You're savage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I was acting what's like your, a normal 18 year old. All right. Your fi- number five for me from dusk till dawn. Interesting. Mm. Okay. I love this movie. Uh, Harvey Keitel, George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino is an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Selma Hayek. Juliette Lewis, uh, Danny Trejo is incredible. It's a, it's a, an action movie that turns into a vampire movie. Robert Rodriguez, by the way, Robert Rodriguez was like 27 when he made this, which means he was like 21 when he made El Mariachi. Holy crap. <laughs> so, but this is, uh, 
This is one of those. I have not seen this 10 times or anything. I've seen it a few times. I love this movie. It's a great pick. I, yeah. I haven't seen that one. I've heard good things. So, all right. Number four. Okay, number four. I, I told you guys that I rewatched this today as I was like trying to put a list together. I hadn't seen this one in a while. And it held up. Let me tell you. Number four for me is The Rock. Michael Bay at his best. Man, gonna, it is. If you yeah. like Michael Bay, you're going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, for, I mean, it's, it's a pretty easy pitch there. Uh, Nick Cage, Sean Connery, Ed Harris, a lot of good supporting actors in it too. I forgot the, the car chase scene in San Francisco is like unbelievable in that movie. Yeah. Um, it's, I was very entertained. Um, it's one that we watched a good amount when I was younger. I, I hadn't come back to it in quite a while, but, uh, that one holds up. So rocks number four for me. You know, I watched, I was looking up, um, box office numbers today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's no correlation between box office numbers. Uh, cause I guess, like they used to have the late theater. Remember where if the theater came out, you missed it in the theater. There was like the theater that was cheaper. That was later. The dollar but, theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The heat was like number 77 on the list or something like that. And I thought it came out in 1995 and I'm like, you think heat or like people thought that heat was the 77th most worthy move. And then I realized Andy told me it came out in 95 and it was still <laughs> making money in 94, but like yes. I was, my mind was blown. Yeah. Um, so I, so I started rewatching Heat today while I was oh working God. on something, Heat. and I was like, "God, what a great movie!" And the, you know, the uh, did that get you fired up or what? Oh yeah, it's just like they just don't, they just don't make movies good. They just don't make good movies anymore. Okay, I'm sorry, they just don't. Casino okay. was in '95 as well. Yeah, yeah, Casino was also like, yeah, was also like in the top 50 of grossing movies in '96 because uh, people were still watching it. But my number four is Kingpin. I don't know if you guys have seen oh, this one. Yeah. One of you guys was on my. Oh my mention. god, Kingpin yeah. is yeah. a classic. It is yes. a classic, and there's Bill a lot Murray of... at his Bill Murrayest. Every single time I, I'm like, if I go back to Phoenix or like when I was in college, uh, like if you guys remember the end scene when they all go back to the table uh, at the Amish uh, person's <laughs> home, yeah. and like I'll be like that. All right, I'm going out to the bars with some friends. I might sleep over or get a hotel room or something. He'll be like, okay. And, he, and he'll look at me and he go, now, son, be careful with the late nights, the boozing, the lusting. You know, like, like what he was saying at the end of that movie. And like my dad says that to me all the time. And it's just like, I don't know. That movie to me is just pure classic. And like, I mean, Ernie McCracken has got to be one of the greatest comedic villains of all time. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's tremendous. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah, and, and the hair, the hair is like, was, yeah, yeah, the, <laughs> the hair was. Inc- I was very much hoping this this would appear on one of okay. our lists. I'm so glad it did. Uh, for me, number four, the People versus Larry Flint. Now, this will be the Oscar baitiest of the movies on my list, but I was 18. It's a movie about hustler, but Woody Harrelson was awesome in this. Now he'd been in Natural Born Killers, like he wasn't Woody from Cheers anymore. This is a great movie. You know who also was incredible in this movie was Courtney Love. Hmm. She's the female lead. She plays his wife, and it was it was incredible. I, I like now. I I like a good first First Amendment movie like Jerry Falwell's is one of the villains, and but it was it was very well done, and it was one of those that it, it, yes, it was awards bait. Yes, everybody's trying to win a, win an Oscar, but it was still a very entertaining two hours and ten minutes. Interesting. Yeah. Good. I, good. I haven't seen that one either. Okay. Number three for me, 
and I don't know if this this might just be like a sentimental pick. I haven't rewatched this in a while, so you guys can tell me if this is just too high and I'm just misremembering a little bit. I have Jerry Maguire at number three. Oh, that's a good one. That's one I wasn't sure who who of us was going to put it on the list, but I was pretty sure one of us was. And listen, I, Cameron Crowe made my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. That's almost famous. Almost famous, yeah. But Jerry Maguire is a is an awesome movie. I mean, it's just it is it is almost an almost perfect comedy that is on my honorable mentions it's not in my top five uh which again goes to show you that like if jerry Maguire came out yesterday with right. that's how see, good this year like, was even make my top five like, Correct. Uh, yeah. okay so my number three and it might be higher on your lists uh but i had a very hard time parsing through incredible well-written dramas and just funny movies but like happy gilmore is the third on that's- my list and i think it could be number one is if, if, it, if it was about rewatchability I've yes. seen this movie 1.5 million times. I can quote the entire movie. Now you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. <laughs> You're in my world now, grandma. Uh, we, we, and Ben Stiller we, cameo. We use, we use your fingers hurt. Now your back's going to hurt. Because Even when I'm at the gym duty. working with this trainer, I'd go, get times me out of here. <laughs> now, I, here's the thing. If this were 95, Billy Madison probably would be number one or number two on the list. Yeah. yeah. Part of this for me is it's, I loved it, and I've watched it a million as times. It is very close to Billy Madison. Very close to the same movie. Sure. sure. But I would well, take Happy Gilmore over Billy Madison. No. I would take Billy Madison. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they're both great. I mean, I like both of them. But, like, Happy Gilmore, it was more sports. And I, I don't know. I just I thought it was. Oh, hey, Shooter, you want to go to Sizzler? <laughs> <laughs> that's two. That's far, Shooter. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> – and then, like speaking, oh, honorable mention golf movie because I'm sure it's not on anybody's list. But this this movie came out this year in 1996. Ten Cup, Ten Cup, yeah, great yeah. Costner sports movie. Yeah, the the scene of him and Don Johnson doing the long drive contest, unbelievable. Another uh, another and Renee major. Russo, also a great sports movie heroine. Uh, another major crush for my wife, uh, Kevin Costner, current oh, Yellowstone, Kevin Costner. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she she's always liked older John, men. Her John Dutton can rock a vest. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of a sixteen year old girl whose crush is Richard Gere, but that's my wife. So, okay, um, uh, Pretty Woman was a movie that came out, and that's yeah, that's I guess the that's reason true. for a lot of that. Okay, number three for me, Scream. Yeah, created <laughs> the horror genre while sending it up. I mean. Like I watched it a year ago, man. That that one now right. that one holds up, man. That one's a very People rewatchable. forget like when they are announcing the rules for a horror movie in as the killer is, is stalking them. It was tremendous. Like that was the most meta thing we had ever seen. And, and also, we were all like in that very impressionable, scary time of our lives, too. And they, they had Drew Barrymore and they killed her in the first scene. Yeah. Like it was yeah. incredible. So the other bonus points for too. this because, because it launched the scary movie franchise, which was <laughs> also spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, do you that's know that one. they're making a another scream movie now? And yes. they made one last year. It was fine. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh the main character is your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, oh, they already oh, made is, one of them. Is, they're making more. Is my it's daughter the, is, is the girl who plays Wednesday on, yes, on the she's the main the character, Netflix I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Jenna Ortega. For those who don't know, my my daughter went as Wednesday Adams for Halloween, and <laughs> nice. We compared the photos. She apparently looks exactly like Jenna Ortega. So, uh, yes, whoever's making the Wednesday show now on Netflix, if you would like to reboot it in ten years when she is 
There's Jenna a contract holdout eight. or something here. Yeah. Well, she she'll have a now, perfect. Now, take is five one, and my daughter's probably like five eleven. So <laughs> we have to rewrite the script a little bit, but but it'll be a good Halloween costume a year from now, if nothing else. But there's just a. I saw the trailer and it was, of course, another remake, but it was 60 seconds as she was just on a subway. And then yeah. all of a sudden the masks appear and you're, it's like uh, Scream 50. Listen, I mean, out. yeah, whatever. The, yeah. The, the answering is like, hello, Sydney. Hello. <laughs> right? it's, it's, it was incredible. I, all right, I, have, it's still funny because I, I, no, I haven't seen it in years. Oh, it's still really good. I can't remember it? Scream. And what is scary movie? Like, because I can't, I can't remember <laughs> which jokes. one. Because it's been so long since I've watched. Like, Hello, Sydney. Is that like well, from? That, that's what makes it. So Hello, Sydney is from Scream. But yeah. that that is what made Scream so great is because it was kind of a quarter of the way to scary movie. Because remember, horror had become just Freddy, Jason sequels, and and all that stuff, and and you know, really gory stuff, and the like Hitchcockian thriller had, had fallen aside. So this sort of mashed those two things up. It, it was a Hitchcockian thriller that made fun of all the horror movies, the, you know, you can't have sex, you can't do this. You, so that was, that was the, the genius of it. Yeah, I fully agree. That's a great pick. That was the top of my honorable mention list. Um, number two for me. Um, it's interesting. You guys haven't mentioned this yet is Fargo. Also number two for me. Okay. I imagine it's Ari's number one. It's my number one. I'm Let's go. All right. Yeah. yeah. I think this Fargo is... is a masterpiece. Yes. And if you watched the series, which is also a masterpiece, not the most recent season, but the first three, mm -hmm. um, and then you go and watch the movie again, you really get a appreciation for how much they nailed everything in that movie. Yes. Like it is it, it is from from start to finish the acting's incredible. The storyline's incredible. And it is, in my opinion, like I said to Andy earlier, one of the top 25 movies ever made, in my opinion, and maybe one of my top 10 favorites. Okay. You gotta so, eat I, a I breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> how, how good is the, I, I mean, Francis McDormand's unbelievable, but the, the William H. Macy performance in this is like, Oh just yeah. So oh yeah. Because it's also like so uncomfortable. Cause you can feel his desperation throughout the yes. entire movie. Yes. And it's like, you can almost like feel like what it would feel like to be in his position. So, you know, and, there's just a there's a random scene um, in that movie, and I'll send the clip. Maybe you can put it. In, I don't know. That might be copyright infringement. Yeah, where, we, we might get in trouble. Remember the that. cop pulls up to the bar owner's house, and they're both wearing those jackets where the hood goes over your face, yeah. and he goes, "Oh, it's it's chilly out here," and you know he's like talking about down by the lake, and they did the Minnesota accent, and you know uh, I'll send you the clip after, but it's just like not really a, a, an intense scene but like it's just so perfect for what the movie's going for you know i'm so. going through the cast and it's actually it's less coen brothersy that that i remembered the cast being mm -hmm. like they're not using all of their regulars at this point yet you know because once you get to like oh brother where art thou and it's horrible cruelty and all that they're really you that you know cycling through a lot of regulars it's this like steve buscemi is like a supporting actor in this movie yeah. well steve buscemi was still a that guy like Remember Steve Buscemi and Billy Madison was a that guy. Yeah. In yeah. Fact, I'm gl glad I called that guy. So. <laughs> yeah, I called, I called that guy. Yeah. Cross yeah. off the list. <laughs> yeah. People to kill. So. Uh, yeah. And then he but turned that, out to be like a stud, uh, you know, oh, with yeah. the boardwalk empire and all that stuff. Lucky but, yeah. Thompson. Yeah. You've got some, you got some great people from this one who end up being in, well, was Lebowski before or after this? 
Lebowski's after. Lebowski's yeah. like 97 or 98. But even and 98. Like, Stor- Stormare is in this one too, and he's also great yeah. in Lebowski. Like I'm looking at yeah. the the cast of this movie right now, and John Carroll Lynch, I'm not very good at celebrity names, but he is the uh, husband uh, who has a pretty small role uh, of the uh, Francis McDermott, uh, Marge Gunderson's husband. You know, mm-hmm. hey, Margie. Yeah. And he turned out to be the main character or the main uh, the main zodiac interest in the movie zodiac and like had a great i mean he's like there's a lot of really good actors in this movie and it's just i think it's perfect and i feel like if fargo came out right now i don't even know if the world would know what to do yeah i well i mean that's kind of how they did that though because you know raising air raising arizona was not a that was more of a cultish hit and then and miller's crossing this is kind of the perfect thing with your point though Ari. is like man it's such a good tv show now so maybe you know, that's what like it, it is. It yeah. works so well as a TV show. Yeah. But and they I, still get the they get the tone and the style and all of that mm-hmm. right with different kinds of stories, but that's just the way they think now. Um, yeah. B- and B- I guess that's the trade-off. That's the, the trade-off. BT base in the chat, as no one has mentioned Friday. Friday came out in 95. I was there opening night in the theater, in the one theater that would have let uh 16-year-old me into uh the R-rated movie and uh laughed my ass off and and if, if we were doing 95 friday friday and billy madison might be one and two for me. And seven, i don't know what order if and seven friday. also came out in 1995 which would have been yes. on my list yeah we hey we can do this again with other years i'll be happy to we definitely we definitely all right can. how about next week we do 2022 we'll see how far it goes oh good god <laughs> <laughs> that just right, is me right. pitching some you guys, all these movies you should some guys like oh ari just hates uh, independent yeah. asian ari, films was, was like, what was your okay, number dude. two ari my number two is primal fear Primal Fear. Okay, very nice. So we've, we've discussed that one. We know you're number one, Ari. Max, what is your number one? My number Let's one is up. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Let's go. Yeah. And my number one is another one that we've already talked about, and that's Swingers. Okay. And <laughs> so I was like, I've seen this movie 700 times. Like, I can't not make this number one. So we're more like-minded than I expect. Honestly, I thought we would shout out like 12 different movies of our Well, movies. here's my honorable yeah. mention. Okay. Oh, yeah. The Nutty Professor it. came out that year. Okay. And the Nutty Professor to me is a comedy classic. Uh, my, I also have Jingle All the Way because it's the best Christmas movie. I have Space Jam. I have Scream, and I also have Ghosts one. of Mississippi. This, have you guys seen is, that one? Yeah, very good, very, very good. That's a, a legal drama about the killing of Medgar Evers. Here, okay. here's another one that pained me to leave off the list: Train Spotting. Hmm. If you've not yeah. seen, that's one you guys would not have seen because you were way too young, and I'm not sure anybody would have told you about it. 10 years later when you were old enough to see it um it, it is about these scottish like you know very 20 something scottish people and there's the dirtiest toilet in scotland that a guy it's about heroin addiction it danny is boyle, an, right danny boyle it is a, a very good movie another movie that i really enjoyed and, and people are either love this movie or hate it the bosler and romeo and juliet mm. i liked it yeah. I thought it was very good. For my wife, here's another one. Top of the list. Uh, there's. I'm surprised that you guys both left off the top two in the box office this year. Honestly. Well, I, I I'm getting to that to one of them. <laughs> yeah. Independence Day. So I saw Independence Day on July 3rd, 1996. Because you know the, the events of in, of Independence Day start on July 3rd, and I walked out of the theater like that was amazing. And then the next time I watched it, I'm like, that movie was not that good. Okay. I was thinking about rewatching that. Do you prefer Armageddon? 
Uh, no, I like Independence Day to Armageddon, but I, I'm not a huge. It, it neither one holds up much for me. Gotcha. Um, two two other kind of smaller ones that were classics in different ways. Mars Attacks mm-hmm. is hysterical. It yeah, awesome. High School High came out in 1996 too. It did. I, I saw that in the theater. I'm ashamed <laughs> to say, John Lovitz, baby. My father took me to High School High when I was nine because he didn't know what we were going to, and we had to leave. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I'll never forget that. He, they but, took like after the I, first I just, ten minutes. I would have thought one of you guys would have had Twister. Okay, Twister is another honorable mention for me. Okay, that's just a great movie. It's a, yeah. you know Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, like incredible. I was able to another... see it in the theater in a draft house a few years ago, and it was that was pretty awesome to see it in a theater saw that that's saw, i saw that in the dollar theater right after because I, I, I had missed it like the the summer before i started college i was working double shifts at wet and wild because i was a lifeguard at wet and wild why wouldn't you just want to be there mm-hmm. um so i didn't see a lot of movies that summer and so went to the dollar theater like night two in gainesville and saw twister <laughs> so um the craft another excellent movie it was kind of a smaller one that I, I don't know that a lot of people who weren't kind of teenagers then would remember, but uh, Nev, everybody had a crush on Nev Campbell or Feruza Balk at that point. So that was, that was a pretty spectacular. There's one. a lot of, there's a lot of confusion of what year movies came out, but uh, we're just going by IMDB by release yeah. date. Yeah. BT uh, base in- like Titanic was a 97 movie. And I did love that movie. Uh, the English patient was the one that swept the awards. I did see that in the theater it's incredibly depressing and long. Yeah. Mission Impossible came out that year, too. A Time um, to Kill. Uh, time to Kill, I was going to mention. Know. And the other was... That's I, pro- I was is it Time to Kill the best Grisham movie? I, see, I love Grisham books. Adaptation. So, um, that's, that's interesting. Runaway Jury was good, too. I feel like was not That better. Thing You Do came uh, out Pelican that year. That Thing You Do. That Thing You Do. That was the one I was texting my buddies. Shout out to Zim who mentioned this. Like, this is... And, and Will, they mentioned I needed to watch this. Have I missed and that it, thing you do? Oh, the th- yeah. that thing you do is a great movie. Was well, it and just a TV movie? No. I mean, no, I've seen it a few times. I, I, uh, it's, no, it's Tom Hanks. It's a it, it's a movie about a one hit wonder that the band's actually called the Wonders. I believe the the guy who's since passed away, who was from Fountains of Wayne, wrote the song, which was catchy as hell. Like it would have it actually became a minor hit. Um, but yeah, Sling Blade. Was this year? Yeah. I've never seen that one. Uh-huh. I've seen it once a long time good. ago. Yeah. Um, and I have to, would be remiss if I didn't mention this. And it doesn't really count as a movie that you would see in the theater, but Paradise Barbed Lost. Wire. Yeah, obviously. Paradise. Yeah, Barbed oh. Wire. I still Barbed have that wire. on VHS. Yeah. Um, oh, Cable Guy. Before we, we Cable Guy. Yeah. Yeah, Cable Guy was good. But yes, go with Paradise Lost because you're did right you ever watch that, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, this is the the West Memphis Three. The right? we, it was the first documentary. It was a documentary on HBO uh, about the West Memphis Three, and they did it. And there was a, a brutal crime that involved the murder of three children, and then three uh, other kids were picked up for doing it uh, because they had Metallica T-shirts and you know like were into heavy metal and they were accused of being Satanists. And then ten years later, they made another one, Paradise Lost. And then ten years after that not to spoil anything if you haven't watched it they followed up with the same case and i thought it was one of the most riveting true crime stories uh and it sent me down a rabbit hole of listening to podcasts about it and reading books and actually when i was driving through west memphis getting off and driving through the neighborhood because i've like read so much about it um and it uh if you haven't watched that it's like the birth of the true crime era because yeah uh all the documentaries now like everything that netflix puts out is just a murder documentary or 
you know, this guy went on a killing rampage in 1963. Here's all about it. And like probably some of our listeners, other favorite podcasts. I mean, true crime is, is a huge podcast honor too. So I listen to true crime podcasts now, uh, cause I'm so fast. Yeah. BT Bates, all three of them are out of prison now. Uh, and it's just like one of the most miscarriages of justice I've ever seen in my entire life. And there also is a time and where you just convince that they did it for no other reason than, than what they look like. And it just, like that to me, like being innovative in something that happened in 96, I wanted to give it some. Yeah. Oh, and one more uh, in the comedies. This is not my cup of tea, but for a lot of people, this is their favorite person. Uh, Bottle Rocket, Wes Anderson's first feature film. So if you liked Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Steve Zissou, you know. What about Sergeant Bilko? (laughs) I saw saw Sergeant Bilko uh, on a, on a date in high school, I think. Oh, uh, so you closed. It's not the best choice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, honestly, I can't remember with Sergeant Bilko or Major Payne. And uh, Black Sheep came out that year too. Really? Oh, the, the the poor man's Tommy boy. You got to go all the way down on these lists because back in these in these uh, in the nineties, there were so many good movies that like funny ones that kind of caught on. They're like we ended up seeing on VHS we, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that we yeah. brushed off that turned into oh, classics. You know like, what else was this this year? Because you know, Cruz was in jerry Maguire, but cruz was also in mission impossible this year the first one where you know he drops down on the yeah almost drops all the way to the floor and he's hanging over there as the first like in crazy tom cruise stunt movie yeah yeah bse there's a lot of bad movies in 96 but there's a lot of good ones too and that's don't be that's, a menace in south central while drinking your drinking juice. juice in the hood yeah <laughs> that, yep. that came out uh jingle all the way is number 126 that's that's not complete just wrong yeah we're, we're gonna have to pick a different year also the this. marky like, mark I, movie fear with reese witherspoon yes yes that was a good movie and that was so that was before boogie nights i think boogie nights was 97 mm-hmm. and that was where people really started taking mark Wahlberg seriously as an actor but yeah that like like i said movie tickets were 350 for students in Gainesville, Florida back then. So I saw a lot of movies in 96 and 97. One more that came out, and this is just a childhood thing for me. I'm sure you saw this when you were a child, Max. Did you ever see Jack with Robin Williams? Oh, yeah. Probably. Where he's got this disorder as a kid where he grows up and looks like a 40-year-old man but is an elementary school kid and like makes friends with all the other elementary must school have kids. at some oh, point. Man, that's a good one. I was going to say, I was I was trying to go back through the kids ones from 96, and, and Hunchback uh, of Notre yeah. Dame was another one I'm sure I watched yep. many times back then. Well, we need to look, we'll do another one with you guys where we go, you know, maybe 2005 or 2006 where you were the age I was in 96 mm. where they're kind of very much in the wheelhouse, very sentimental picks. Uh, I was still going to a lot of movies and basically once my first child was born, I stopped going to movies. Like yeah, I'm was, sad to admit I, went, I, I saw the, the hangover in the theater and then I didn't see a movie in the theater again for a long long time. Yeah, we got pregnant during COVID. So, like, that was kind of the double whammy of, like, no more movies, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we will have more. Wedding Crashers came out in 05. So, it's just it's a wrap. (laughs) So, for me, Ari, I'm curious how this was for you. The the Stripes disease of great first hour, train wreck second hour. But go go ahead. What what about Chaz? Come on. Hold on. (laughs) Um, For me, middle school, they open up a mall. And so middle school Fridays, you would go to a movie every week. So that's kind of where it hits for me, Andy. Was that the same for you, Ari? Yeah, right. Uh, there was a shopping center 10 minutes from where I live called Desert Ridge that just opened um, like when I was 
in middle school going into high school and they had an AMC 30 there. And that was like when IMAX was first starting. So like that was a thing too, where they had a deal if you were a student or you could show your ID or whatever that, that you, you could go. And, you know, my best friend growing up was a huge, like his favorite thing to do in the, he had, he was like the kid that like had movie posters on his wall and he was like obsessed with films. And uh, so we, that's what we used to do every week. I, I think I probably went to five or six movies a month if we're being honest. So yeah. it's a shame. I haven't been to the theater in two years now. Well, the last movie I saw was the the movie that had uh, Denzel Washington and Jared Leto in it. Have you do you know remember what I'm talking about? It's like a murder. There's a cop and it went to, right to HBO, didn't it? No, I saw it in I What's saw the, the movie theater. I just watched Jared Leto in, and I was like, that's Jared Leto. He doesn't uh, look anything. He, he's playing a schlub, and he doesn't look anything like Jared Leto. Uh, oh, one, uh, did you watch the, the Gucci the movie? Gucci movie? Yes, the house yeah. of Gucci. That was, that was a he did a movie. great job because that was yeah. really yeah. That was a good the movie. last yeah. one we saw in theaters was the menu, and you guys can stream that now. That one's actually oh great. no, we watched that the other night. The menu is a great movie, right? And Max, we're not going to spoil anything, but um, the thing that gets eaten at the end, I was cheering. Yes, <laughs> that that she orders or the final the final piece the final offering that she the- chomps down on at the yes. very end yeah yes yeah people gotta so see it was, that. i think it's streaming on hbo now that it's, one's it's on hbo max it's it's very good uh you know ray fines is is it? john leguizamo's in it. my wife goes how old is john leguizamo and we looked at he's 62 wow, wow. <laughs> he looks like he's 35 still. yeah nicholas holt um yeah that that one's well uh, joy. Anya joy taylor is uh, the, uh, yeah. It, yeah she's the star and and I think really you good. I think you guys would like this one. Yeah, okay, I'll check it out. I don't know if Ari's gonna like it. I, and I'm again I'm not gonna give anything away, but I don't I don't know. Oh, how I mean if Max is. suggests it, then I'll give him the respect. There's a genre there's a genre thing because you're a genre guy. I'm like, a genre guy. Yeah, so we'll see. I I, I I eagerly await your review. But folks listening, folks in the chat, you know where to find us. We're going to be doing random rankings throughout the offseason. Doesn't have to be movies. Doesn't have to be music. Doesn't have to be food. Could be anything. You throw it at us, and we will do this. And we will obviously still be talking tons of college football. But, you know, when we get down to the, the back half of the show, where we're here with our hardcores, random ranking is a, is a, is a way to go. It's a, it's, so, it's a staple of the staple show. Exactly. So, cannot wait. Enjoy the championship games enjoy watching Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and, and Joe Burrow. <laughs> it's it's going to be fun. And we will talk to you again on Monday. Mm-hmm.